Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchable News. It's Thursday, October 14th, 2021. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, we take a look at the Virginia governor's race and the impact it could have on Congress. Number two, what's going to happen with Democrats atop House committees if they lose. And number three, the money game. All right, Jake, this morning at the top of Punchful News AM, we do a pretty deep dive on this Virginia governor's race and whether it is a bellwether or not on what the, the fate of Democrats, first of all, but also the impact it could have on the overall legislating happening before the midterm. Yeah, so I don't want we're not here to predict um, as some might want to do about um, who's going to win in Virginia, Terry McAuliffe or Glenn Youngkin. Uh, I don't think that it's worthwhile. I mean, I had a conversation uh, a couple days ago with um, with uh, a lot of people, but one conversation in 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 specific about from a Democrat who was making a compelling case that that actually McAuliffe is just trying to run up the score, and Virginia has permanently realigned, and and there's some evidence that that's true, right? That uh, Virginia, that Democrats have been consistently winning in Virginia for a while now. Um, Obama won, uh, Biden won in 2020 by by 10 points. So there is some evidence here that uh, that it's a pretty democratic state. And other people say, well, Youngkin is a um, a strong candidate in a climate that's really not that great for Republic for Democrats. So, you know, I, you could argue it both ways. One thing we could say for sure is this is from a former House insider. We'll call this person. Um McCullough versus Youngkin represents three things that are at the core of every House member's DNA: self-preservation, elections, and money. And I, I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty good point. Let's start with like self-preservation and elections because those go together; they're kind of one thing. Um, you know, I think Anna that people right now are looking for a data point in, um, in an otherwise data barren environment uh, about their agenda. And I think people are going to see for better or worse, for right or wrong, that that whoever wins in Virginia in 2020, in, in November rather, um, that that is a, a commentary on their agenda. Yeah. I mean, I think the interesting thing here is, uh, to your point, I think everyone's looking around. And I think if, if McAuliffe loses, you're going to see a lot of moderates say, Okay, enough with this big reconciliation package, guys. Like, let's get to the fact that the bipartisan infrastructure bill is what is going to deliver us any chance of winning in the 2022 election. Versus, uh, you know, if McCall wins, then it probably is a little bit more business as usual, right? Like, okay, this is, should have happened. You know, yes, we've got to do this bipartisan bill, but we also want to do this reconciliation package. We want to think bigger. Uh, I think it bring really does bring into focus if he loses, uh, what the actual issues could be during this election. And to your point of, you know, yes, it of course brings into focus, you know, to this quote, self-preservation elections, but it's it's also a money game. And certainly neither Terry McAuliffe or Glenn Youngkin are hurting for money at this point. Yeah, McAuliffe is a prolific fundraiser. Youngkin is funding a lot of his campaign um, and has raised has raised some money as well, obviously. Um, but uh, I think a lot of Democrats are going to look at this if, if Youngkin wins, that um, McAuliffe raised all this money. He's this prolific fundraiser, and yet he still wasn't able to overcome Youngkin, uh, a guy who has, you know, no political experience. 
was an executive at a, at a private equity firm um, and, uh, you know, and still, you know, lost It still came up short against a Republican. Obviously, I would say donors could look at this if, if McAuliffe loses. Uh, donors will look at, at at the Senate and say, well, listen, we're not going to keep the House. And, um, you know, we need to go where our money is more assured. And I think that they'll come to the conclusion that their money is more assured in the Senate where they can keep a narrow majority than the House where they're traditionally going to lose in 2022 no matter what. Um, and, I, you know, I think that let's you know, there's two other points, Anna. Let's just both talk about both of these. Let's talk about Trump here. I mean, McAuliffe, uh, McAuliffe is trying to make this about Trump. Um, and, you know, Youngkin has gotten Trump's endorsement. Trump is is out there campaigning for him. If he loses, if Youngkin loses, Trump's obviously going to say he didn't come close enough to him. Um, uh, but he isn't cares? running. He isn't running as a Trumpian He's not, figure. No. I mean, I think that's, that's the key here, right? When you look at certainly... When Mitch McConnell looks at this race, depending on what happens, it is going to be very interesting to see how can a can how a candidate can either you know, somewhat embrace Trump, but he's not some big Trump figure that's trying to run in Virginia. No, I think that's right. And also, um, let's talk about the impact on Biden's agenda. There will be many calls if if McAuliffe loses. There'll be many calls to slow down on the president's agenda to pump the brakes, to pare it back, um, whether that's right or not. I mean, th that's the irony about this, Anna. No one, people are going to make, people are going to make logical jumps here that are completely illogical. <laughs> They'll see them as logical, but like, who the hell knows if if infrastructure matters Who for, for in this race, right? Like, who knows if any federal issues matter? Like if, if McAuliffe wins, if McAuliffe loses rather, it'll be probably because Northern Virginia, where the Democratic vote is, uh, did not come out to vote and did not come out for uh, an off-year race. Like maybe it has nothing to do with Congress, you know, but they will take a lot out of it. And remember, everyone views this through 20, 2009, 2010, when we were young bucks in the Capitol. Um and that and 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 Bob McDonald won in Virginia, Chris Christie in New Jersey, Scott Brown won Ted Kennedy's seat, and they were pushing Obamacare and cap and trade and had pushed Dodd Frank and the the auto bailout and the stimulus and all that stuff. So they all view it through that lens and don't want to go through that again. Let's move on to the number two story of the morning, House Democrats. And what could happen with committees if Democrats lose the House in 2022? We don't know what's going to happen, but a lot of good money is on the fact that uh, Democrats are more than likely to lose the House based on historical precedent, based on redistricting, based on a lot of different factors here. But it's going to be a big deal when you look at the makeup of the Democratic leadership beyond just, you know, the top three, but really looking at these committee structures. We had an announcement this week by House Budget Committee Chair John Yarmuth, the Democrat from Kentucky, that said, you know, he's not going to be running for re-election. He's atop that key slot of the Budget Committee, but there's a lot of others, whether it's because of age or because of being in the minority puts you in a really different, potentially, you know, really, uh, you, you need to be on the defensive, be able to kind of jab where some of these members aren't necessarily 
well equipped. Let's focus in on a few different um, uh, a few different committees here, and and where we could see some fall off. Um, there's the A committees, uh, appropriations, energy and commerce, and financial services, and. I mean, listen, you could look at here's the irony about Democrats, um, a party that is is uh, getting younger in the in the populace is is pretty damn old at the top of the party. You have Maxine Waters at financial services is 83, Rosa DeLauro, 78. And then you have the the young the young guns in in the in the committee world. Uh, Frank Pallone and Richie Neal are sixty nine and seventy two. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, uh, youth is is all in the eye of the of the beholder, Jake. <laughs> yeah, right. So, listen, I wouldn't be surprised to see Waters uh, go. But listen, as as Water, if Waters keeps her district, she could stick around. There's Rosa DeLauro at appropriation seventy eight. She'll probably uh, she'll probably stay. Um, and another, some other people to look for, I would say Jerry Nadler at judiciary and Carolyn Maloney at oversight could be pushed aside. Uh, I, if, you know, I remember back in the, uh, the last change of power, um, that, uh, they pushed aside Ed Towns at oversight when they needed someone more aggressive. Um, so we could see that we could see that happen this time around, but I would say this, I mean, there's. Just as a, we don't need to go through all of these. You should definitely read them in Punchbowl.news this morning, but um, in our morning edition. But you would have to be a, um, you would have to be really, really motivated if you're a, a Democratic committee chair at 78 years old to go back into the minority. I mean, you lose staff. You're going to have to deal with a Republican majority that's going to want to just completely go after Joe Biden. Um, so not that easy. I think I also just want to zoom out really quickly. Zoom, please zoom. Broader, please, yes. Uh, in the broader sense, I do think the makeup in a House majority of Republicans, you're going to see a very drastic change here Be in a in a very contrasting way where you're you're going to have, right now you have a lot of you know, CBC members, you have minority caucuses that are represented at the gavel, at the very senior level of House leadership. And there are no minority lawmakers in line to be committee chairs under a GOP majority except for Representative Tom Cole at Rules. So that is a big deal. I just think in terms of the makeup, you know, Tom Cole is uh, of Native American heritage, but there are no other Republicans who... Um, you know, represent minorities. The you know whether it's the Black Caucus or Hispanic Caucus uh, that would that would be in line for the gavel, and that's going to be a big sea change here. I think the other big thing to think about is just these select committees that Pelosi has created on January sixth: the climate crisis, economic disparity and fairness in growth, and the modernization of Congress. Maybe the modernization of Congress continues, but all of the rest are expected to go. All right, let's move on to number three story quickly, the money game. We have some news this morning on Senator John Cornyn, the Republican of Texas, who has raised more than $2 million in the last quarter through his Cornyn Victory Committee, and he's spreading it across the Senate Republican Conference. Yeah, that's right. Um, Cornyn is a, um, uh, a like, I don't know about likely, but a candidate for leader if Mitch McConnell ever leaves, which um, uh, I would say is not... Um, who knows when that's going to be? Um, and uh, he's spreading it across. He's raised $2 million through his uh, victory committee. Victory committees allow you to raise big chunks of money and spread them across your party or your allies or whatever. Um, 
and uh, off embargo this morning at 5.30 this morning. Um, the NRCC has announced that it raised $103 million through September of this year. They have $65 million on hand, which is almost triple what they had this time last cycle. And uh, that's a lot of dough. Um, and remember, the NRCC can raise in six-figure amounts, but cannot raise in like the seven and eight-figure amounts that the um, that the uh, uh, super PACs can raise in. So a pretty impressive, a pretty impressive deal uh, for for the um, NRCC. An eye-popping number to be sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to Punchbowl News at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.